Hi everyone, welcome to 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solves your freelance problems one at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Michelle Pratt. I'm the owner of Dive Deeper Development and I'm a freelance trainer and coach. And I'm your other co-host, Casey Carlisle, and I've been freelance for about seven years, running my business doing Squarespace website design and training, and I've recently rebranded as Squarespace Queen. And today we're going to look at the problem of always wanting more. So just chucking more at stuff. So most of us want, you know, we all want our businesses to do well. And most of us have an idea of how we want our businesses to grow and develop. In pursuing our goals, it's really tempting to simply just throw more at it. So working longer hours, spending more money, doing more learning, basically just acquiring more resources. And often we already have what we need right under our noses. And at the very least, we have have the resources we need and we're probably underutilizing what we already have. We've heard lots of stories I'm sure over the years of entrepreneurs who have managed to bootstrap their way to success so today we're going to look at uh, why seeking more may not be all it's cracked up to be. So first of all I mean Katie I'll ask, I'll ask you we, we've seen this a lot why do you think freelancers might might be tempted to seek more when they could already use what they have perhaps? Well I think one part of it comes back to one of the recent episodes that we did all about freelance myths and one of the things that we touched on there was this idea that you've got to kind of you got to hustle you got to do more you know if you want to that that sort of slightly american ideology of you know you've got to beat the next person you've got to do more to be the best and you've got to win um so i think that does filter into freelance life and obviously it's something that's prevalent in business as well but i think with for freelancers especially because we're the ones that have to do everything i think there's somehow slightly more pressure on us sometimes to kind of make the most of the decision to go freelance and we've also i think got more to prove I don't know what you think about that, Michelle. Yeah, maybe. I think so. Because I think a lot of us drop out of the um, the nine to five. And I, I, know, I know coming from a corporate background, this pressure to always get the next promotion. You know, you're in a job for two, three years. The next obvious bit is to go up. And that comes with more money, more responsibility. And I think when you drop out of the security and the stability that comes with that, I think family and friends sometimes look to you. We talked about coming out as a freelancer many, many moons ago, and they want to know that you're making enough money, that you're doing enough stuff. So I hadn't thought about it like that, but definitely, Katie, I think that that could be part of it. What else do you think people might be... Why else do you think people might be looking for more as freelancers? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it's just me, but like... Um, I obviously like to learn so I follow a lot of people on the internet on YouTube on various blogs um, and and you know what these algorithms are like they feed back to you what you seek so whenever I log on honestly the co- I need to clear my cookies because I always every person who's running a business development course or a marketing course seems to end up in my feed or in my advertisements and I've learned the hard way that actually you know they're very very good at their marketing and they use a lot of um, emotive words they play on your emotions so a lot of your fears a lot of your desires which is great marketing by the way but they're always saying oh you need a system you need a funnel you need you know to do seo you need to do ads and they they kind of create these well they call them tribes sometimes don't they of people um you know hoping that this this course or this product is going to be the next thing and i think we do get targeted as freelancers with a hell of a lot of that stuff which you know you there's no real blueprint for being a, a freelancer really apart from our podcast of course um, well, obviously. <laughs> obviously but um there's no real blueprint for it and so you, you do perhaps look to those people perhaps um uh, you know to, to to find this stuff and i also think we sometimes compare ourselves to other people as well katie you know i mean who doesn't like new shiny stuff right so um well exactly there's a new piece of tech or there's a new course or there's a new book or theory i'm terrible for books i'm always buying new ones and i always think yeah more more stuff more ideas more knowledge more networking and i think it it in the short term i think it makes you feel quite good doesn't it when you buy a new thing or make a new connection or do more stuff you sort of you have this emotional high there is a reason for that it releases certain hormones in your brain so it certainly gives you a dopamine hit um when these things happen so it, there's kind of it triggers your reward system but it can also increase the the responsibility that you have as well well there's also an ever-growing list isn't there of ways that you're kind of supposed to grow your business so you know oh you've got to take advantage of this new platform uh you've got to you've got to if you're not doing this new technique then 
you know, you're going to look behind the times. And I think, you know, between all the different social media things and the different options for putting your presence online and the different approaches that you're taking to selling your business and, oh, you're not doing an online course. Oh, you need to do an online course. Like, oh, you're not writing an ebook. Oh, you need to do an ebook. And there's so many things that there's this sort of societal pressure almost within the freelance and business community that you're supposed to do. And if you're not doing that and you're not constantly adding more things to your armory then you're failing somehow and again like you were saying people don't people avoid that people don't want to miss out people don't want to fail and so then we're kind of scared and so we don't then we go towards this more approach yeah it's funny you should say that katie when i first started i didn't know anything about you know any marketing at all and so like a lot of people i signed up for an online course to to learn to up, increase my skills and through a network i was in i was introduced to this lady and she ran a, a webinar for our group and she sold this course and um this course told you everything about marketing and like you say katie every platform so she taught you how to use twitter and explained why you should be on twitter and she taught you how to use facebook and why you should be on facebook and then she introduced pinterest and she's like well you've got to be on pinterest this is huge now and then linkedin and all this and each module told you how to do all these and she told you how many days times a day you were supposed to post on each of these which is phenomenal because for some of them she was saying 10 times a day and then for others at three times a day and this was for every platform and although she did say put your main focus on one or two and then she introduced you to lead pages and then she introduced you to to, uh, to some kind of mailing program and so I did the course, but I was thinking, mm, yeah, I'm not going to do all of that. That's a massive industry. I'm, I'm really quite small, but it, I'm glad I've up my skills. And I did learn an awful lot from her. So I'm glad that I paid for the course. But then two or three years later, I was still following her Facebook and she basically had gone absent. I hadn't seen her post for a while and she was totally burnt out. So she'd gone off traveling. Not surprised. She had a, had a breakdown, basically. She no longer is an online entrepreneur or marketer. She is an artist and she is now selling her, oh. her, her paintings. But she was also kind of telling people about the pitfalls of burning out. And I'm like, yeah, but you kind of promoted that in the first place. I'm glad I didn't listen to all of it, but it was a bit crazy, but really interesting that she just basically, yeah, was burnt out and she couldn't, she couldn't work. And I'm thinking, I'm not surprised. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you do, you do have some people who are quite open about it, which is nice and refreshing, but I don't know. It always seems to be the people who can kind of afford in inverted commas to take a digital detox or to say, right, I'm shutting down my social media accounts that, uh, promoting that you know like you don't ever really hear many people saying oh you should aim for fewer followers on social media and the main people that are saying I decided to kind of shut down my Twitter account are the people who've got a really good network elsewhere already and I think it's really hard if you're just starting up as well to to kind of go okay well I'm not going to use social media then because there's a lot of people emphasizing email lists as a way of communicating people and saying you know oh you shouldn't be using social media anymore you need to use emails where you own you know you own the contacts you can control when you target them you don't rely on any algorithm or anything which I think makes sense but how do you get people on your mailing list if you don't have an, a network outside your mailing list? It's going to take much longer than if you're able to also use social media in conjunction with it to grow awareness of you. And then maybe you get to a point where you can just rely on the mailing list and word of mouth and recommendations. But I think people sometimes forget what it's like to be just starting out as well. Yeah, so I do. I, do you know, I think, Katie, people normally start out with one product or or they, get, they master one social media platform. And as their business grows, they then introduce new products new services new platforms into their mix whereas i think if you are starting out then you know if you're comparing to those people they started with one thing and actually you might be still go well i want to do what they're doing and yes it's true you, you you do but you might need to build up for it there's a massive stage missing in the beginning but it is interesting to see some of these these gurus online that are kind of promoting us to do more stuff end up being yeah. people that that suffer from it and i don't know if it's because i'm gay katie but there's just something about this that smacks of people promoting gay conversion therapy only to come out as being gay themselves later it's just <laughs> just throwing that all back to me right now yeah <laughs> well <laughs> follow that i think there's that <laughs> i think we do have you know we have we have we have capitalism gives us a lot to be thankful for like you know the fact that yeah we, we are we are supposed to be like searching for our happiness and the and the way to happiness is by learning through those people and giving them money um so i think like there is this thing where we do tend to equate 
more and more money with happiness and like you know we 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 think that if we can just get more of this then it will be okay if we can just get more of this it will be okay um and so i think that's one of the reasons why people look for more or like you say more is a solution to a problem that they think they have or you know something that they're unhappy with in their lives and it's a way of trying to kind of outrun that almost i think sometimes yeah rather than dealing with the problem yeah that's that's definitely true i think i think and it kind of creates a self-fulfilling problem as well and i think this is one of the problems i think katie um you know we talk about chasing more and like i say we all like new stuff but uh, always looking for more or adding more into the mix isn't necessarily the answer it does become a never-ending chase and the more stuff you take on the more upkeep is needed and therefore the more resources you require to keep up um i was reading a book by scott sonnenshein recently called stretch which kind of inspired me for this episode and i, I did it because it resonated with with me um I, I write a blog by the way on this every every month or so i read a new business book and i blog it on my website and Scott's book really did resonate with me because I got to a point, it was like, mm, I need to promote myself more. Okay, so I need to go to more networking events. And I, um, uh, yeah, I need to do more networking. So I started asking people about what networking events they were going to. I asked you about rural ones and the high peak. I asked some friends, some other women about women's networking groups and were they any good? And then I thought about taking on these the, this more networking approach. And I thought, I can't be bothered to spend more time it's going to be more money it's going to be more people to keep connections with and i really don't know if i can can got the energy or the resources for it and then i went to some of my existing networks and i know what it was went to two or three on the bounce and i just discovered people who knew more things or had the answers to questions i'm looking for and it dawned on me i don't need to do more networking and, and you know it's like katie there are some people that whatever networking event you go to they pop up they are already in there <laughs> yeah. they are already connected it's like no no i just need to connect with the people i've got i've i know hundreds of people in networks i really like i've got a manchester one a freelance one a trainer one a professional qualification one actually what I need to do is go back to those and I think this is important to recognize because had I taken on more networks I would have to pay more fees put more time more effort and there'd be more upkeep and I think this is what happens when we're always looking to chuck more at stuff or introduce something new there's always a cost and if it's not money it's probably going to be time grief energy focus and that's why sometimes that can dilute or give us worse results i don't know what you think anyway oh yeah 100 percent. i mean one of the stories that i have definitely told on this podcast before is the one about the mexican fisherman and i always feel like i don't do it justice when i tell it so i've actually just i'm just actually going to read it out it's not a very long story so we're gonna have story time love it katie and michelle um, but i just think it really illustrates this whole thing that you were just saying about the problem with always wanting more so here we go, story time. Um, once upon a time, an American investment banker was at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. Inside the small boat was several large yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The American then asked why he didn't stay out longer and catch more fish. And the Mexican said that he had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? And the Mexican fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take siestas with my wife, Maria, stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The American scoffed. I'm a Harvard MBA and could help you. You should spend more time fishing and with the proceeds, you can buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you can buy several boats and eventually you'd have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, middleman, you would sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You'd control the product, processing and distribution. You'd need to leave this small coastal village and move to Mexico City, then LA and eventually New York City, where you'll run your expanding enterprise. And the Mexican fisherman asked, but how long will all this take? To which the American replied, about 15 to 20 years. But then what? asked the Mexican. The American laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you'd announce an IPO and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You'd make millions. Millions? Then what? 
The American said, then you'd retire. Move to a small coastal village where you'd sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siestas with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play guitar with your amigos. So that is the story of the Mexican fisherman. I think it's made up, but it's told very nicely by this website that I found. So I like it. I think to, to me, that's, I, I can't remember where I first came across it, but it just really, really resonated with me with this whole idea of always striving for more to then almost kind of come full circle to back you where you ended up starting from. And so I think in some ways more distracts us from what we really want and kind of is... It makes us think that we need to make a change in order to be better and that that change has to be involving more with the change could actually just be actually involving less or, cha- or you know, making a change that for something different, but rather than more, it doesn't always have to be adding more, spending more, doing more. The change could be doing less. It could be just relocating. It could be, you know, deciding that you have enough and that you're going to work with what you've got and other kinds of things. So. I think that sometimes when we go for more as well, it then becomes the new normal. And so then you have to look for even more to feel like you're making progress and keeping up with the Joneses and everything. So, you know, it's like like if you get a promotion or if you earn more money, your outgoings tend to scale up too. So it's not like you kind of then end up saving more. For most people, they increase their their kind of cost of living in proportion to their salaries. And so then to be able to keep up the life that you have become accustomed to, you then have to earn more money if you want to make any savings or if you want to kind of add more outgoings into your life. Yeah, definitely. I think um, more comes with more grief as well as more stuff. And I I think, Katie, sometimes we we fall into this trap of comparing with other people and we do we do see this happen and so it is human nature to want to compare we all want to know where we stand and we all want to use some sort of yardstick to measure how well we're doing the the problem with that is that most people compare upwards um you can compare downwards and you might get some pleasure from seeing that you're not as worse off than other people but we we generally compare upwards to people we admire or like who we'd like to, who who we think we would like to be like and those people might have more money they might have resources they might live in a bigger house they might have more followers but they don't necessarily we don't necessarily want to have the life that they have so although it's human nature and there's actually quite an emotional thing to compare to upwards it's not always a good representation of what we could have or even necessarily of what we want i was speaking to one of our friends recently who um is seeing people who run businesses on social media and they've got all these followers and you know and she was saying well look you know this person's on the scene they've got all these followers um they've just managed to expand their their following very quickly they seem to be able to monetize it and my point to her was well do you want what she's got are you prepared to work the hours that she works in the hours that she works because she's up at the crack of dawn and she's she's up to late at night and would you want to do what she does and the answer was well no that's actually not my you know representation of my business so it's probably not right to compare if there's a saying is that we've said this before if you, if you want somebody's results you've got to do what they do but if you don't want their results then you might want to follow something different yeah i agree we're kind of almost being sold a dream that isn't for us and so we're like the, the cleverest marketing is the marketing that makes us think that we need or want something in our lives that we actually really don't so that's selling you know selling that dream life and selling all these different different ways that you could be better and and kind of look better and be better and have more success it's exactly that it's it's just a sales pitch it's not actually what you necessarily want yeah. you know and we're all guilty of it you know I look at interiors stuff and think oh no like you know I've you know just redecorated my house in the last year and it's a very deliberate style and and it was what I said I wanted and then I look online and I'm like oh maybe I should have done this and maybe I should have gone for like colors or maybe I should have gone for this look and done this like oh that looks much better and then I'm like no that's not what I want I want minimalism I like and to achieve this effect I'd have to have lots of stuff and that's not what I want in my life. I want a very clean, minimal aesthetic because that's what helps me feel calm. And like, I like to visit other places maybe that have kind of quirky stuff around and everything, but that's not what I want my life to be like at home. So 
it's that kind of reminding yourself, wait a second, no, 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 I'm just going, I've been kind of swept along by this current that's kind of whisking me off to this place, but I don't actually want to go to this place. This isn't the place for me. So I think that is the problem of it is that it makes us, it kind of makes us forget almost what we actually want it, it does this is why we we say we we've said many times on the podcast it's really important to know your why what is your purpose so like you were saying there for you you know what you want is minimalism and i know you've worked very hard and you know what you want and creating you know creating an environment where you get that and like you say it's very tempting to be be distracted a bit like you know the the dog in what is it um toy story when he sees a squirrel you know it's it, it's <laughs> tempting to be like that but this is why knowing your why and value is so important and katie i've i've written down particularly next to my bookshelf where i buy a lot of books um the three questions from the marie kondo joy at work book so does it spark joy do i need it and will it spark future joy um just to remind me but not just for for books and purchases but also for work as well actually so to be offered a work or a collaboration opportunity or another networking event or a webinar and just ask myself actually does it spark joy do i need it and is it actually going to do anything meaningful for my why in future just to to cool me down if i get that kind of emotional uh, sort of buzz looking to do take on more because i can i'm like i said before i'm a time optimist and this could i, I could very easily get sucked into to into different directions and I think the other thing Katie is that wanting more I think it makes us uh, wasteful actually and it robs us of some of our, our creativity so I mentioned right at the beginning there are countless stories of entrepreneurs that that um, had nothing and managed to fashion something out of nothing and just basically you know worked what they had and ended up um running a very successful business and I now that I've said that cannot think of a single example off the top of my head Katie <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and have a think of some as well but yeah I'm sure everyone can think of some of, of some kind of examples of people that they've known that have been constrained by creativity by constrained by money and budget like I think you, you, you hear a lot of startups they are they, they start up with very little and it's just an idea and they kind of put it out in the world in the lowest cost possible but that helps them to think about the most efficient way of doing it and kind of gets them in that always a slight kind of slight scarcity mindset which I think can be really helpful even if you don't actually have scarcity in in terms of thinking okay I have got this budget but if I didn't have this budget what would I what would I do to get around it um I mean it's something I do with my clients quite a lot when you know because the the classic example of a project scope kind of expanding is the client decides what they want they're really happy with it they go down to the pub or, or go you know chat to somebody like the you know the brother's financial advisor who's done a bit of marketing or whatever and then this new idea is introduced to them or they see another website that they really like but that has nothing to do with what they're doing or it's a completely different community to the one that they're trying to create but they'll see something and they're like oh shiny oh okay how can we how can we include that in the website and then they'll come back and kind of go right okay yeah I would like to do this and this and this and this and so the first question is kind of yeah what do you want to actually achieve by this but then if they do still want it, then what part of my job is to work out how, if, if I think it would add value to the site, how I can basically recreate something that's on this sort of multi-thousand pound website that they found it on, on a more, much more significantly lower budget Squarespace website. And so I, I really enjoy that creative process. And I think you're right, if I didn't, if I, if I had an unlimited budget, then I think that would take away a lot of the creativity for me and I'd probably enjoy my work less. Yeah, necessity is the mother of all the invention, as they yeah. say. I was, I've mentioned this, I think, on the podcast before. I was chatting to an associate of mine and I, I predicted quiet, summers are normally a little bit quieter for, for me and I, I knew this dry spell was, dry earth spell was coming and I, I ended up chatting to a friend I've not spoken to a while and I was thinking, right, I need to look for more clients. I need to go out there, do some more beauty parades, as we call them, do some more proposals, get out there, do more, more, more. And he said, Michelle, th th one of those companies, your clients, you already work with. He said, they're actually really quite entrepreneurial. Like uh, they don't just need your facilitation skills. They True, they do produce their own products. But if you have a product that, that would they could sell to their clients, if they could sell it, they'll pay you to develop it. Why don't, if you've got some ideas, why don't you go to your existing client and pitch them what you can offer? 
and so I did and they did buy uh, they did get me on board to do more products and not only was that good for that period of time going back to an existing client to sell a different service but now they come to me when they've got other things in the pipeline so they say look clients ask for something we've got the nuts and bolts we've not got the whole project would you develop it for us and it's been really fruitful so not only did it this you know this creativity thing not only did it help me financially um but it actually got me to showcase my skills and deepened relationships where when i would have been chasing more new or different and i'm actually been better off for it over a period of years just for that one tip to go back to an existing client so i think um necessity is the mother of all the uh, all invention and i think definitely being in that position and getting that piece of advice made a massive difference to me yeah so before we kind of go on to looking at what the answers are in terms of what do we do instead of going after more let's have a think about what quickly we might want more of i guess we might want more money money is definitely one yeah more clients and customers more followers what else, Michelle, might we want more I of? think for me, Katie, more content. I know I've been thinking about marketing recently and it's like, oh, I need to do more posts. I need to make more videos. And I think we quite often think that actually to get more followers, as you say, Katie, maybe we need to create more. I think we probably want a bit more respect or our standing or our, or our status as the thought leader to, to, to go up. And I know for me, certainly, I'm always doing some sort of learning or, or, or personal development, uh, coaching course, training course, uh, something like that. I think for me, it's quite often more qualifications or more learning probably under my belt as well. Yeah, so at this point, if you're listening, it might be worth just thinking like, is there something on that list that particularly resonates with you to think, oh yeah, actually I have been kind of thinking I need to do more of this. And then you can maybe bear that in mind as we chat through a few ways to kind of overcome this idea of always needing more. So Michelle, what what's the, what's the first thing we can do to overcome this idea? I think the first thing to do is to ask yourself, what do you want to achieve? Like you say, Katie, your why, like your website clients, and then ask yourself, can I use what I already have? So reuse it, repurpose it, upcycle cycle it. And I don't just mean for physical items. I mean um, for, it could be contacts. I've mentioned relationships just a second there. And kind of go through what you've got and do a quick audit of what you had first. When I was reading Scott Sonnenshede's book, he, he refers to shop your closet. And I quite like that idea. I don't like the word shop as a verb in that context that really drives me crazy grammatically but that aside <laughs> um shop your closet you can definitely yeah you can definitely do that so look look through the resources that you have be that contacts be that materials be it technology whatever it is and actually see if you can go through that and have a look through and one of the things that scott sonnenstein suggests is to express gratitude for what you have so you could almost do, he did a book uh, i mentioned in the previous episode called joy at work with marie kondo and it's almost this idea of like get out onto the bed when she gets all the clothes out of the wardrobe onto the bed to make the the person see what they've got could you just literally do an audit pull everything together um that you've got and could you visualize it get get sight of it and actually express gratitude and appreciation for it rather than just dismissing it which i think is a great first step as well and i guess that would just apply for knowledge as well i think we sometimes forget what knowledge we already have and um, like you say when you're you know going in search of okay once i've done this course then i'll be ready or once i've you know got this information in my brain i'll be ready and once i know how to do this i'll be ready but actually you've probably got a lot of knowledge that you can use already just to get started i mean we did we talked about this didn't we when we talked about uh, fake fake problems um that we kind of pretend are the real issue that masks what is actually under underlying um that you know so the idea of oh yeah it's 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 a problem because i don't have the latest equipment but actually the real problem that underlies that is that you're kind of scared of going out into the world and putting yourself out there potentially so i think that's the thing that is almost the kind of counterpart to the more, more, more is that we're scared that we're not enough ourselves, but actually we probably have that knowledge that we need to get started. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's that whole school of fake it till you make it, or you can just be upfront about the fact that you don't necessarily have all the knowledge. And actually a lot of the time you don't need to have it. Yeah, and I like that idea, Katie, of not uh, just doing it about physical items, but about softer stuff like knowledge as well. And I'm terrible for that. You know, I've got, like I say, I've got loads of books and I've done loads of training and coaching myself. And quite often whenever I'm faced with a new piece of design work, 
or working with a client, I feel like I always have to bring something new when you're coaching. People always want to learn new techniques, but quite often um, I do go do go back to some of the basics or the old good stuff and people may have seen it before but quite often when you ask them well do you use it or how do you apply it they don't so sometimes you can I can add as much value in my work from really getting people to connect with something old better or coming up with a new approach to it rather than trying to seek more stuff and I and I do do that sometimes and it's it's interesting again I, I mentioned the, the Scott Sorensen book Stretch he mentioned something called functional fixedness and he, he gives the problem of um, a physics professor setting his students a problem of um, how do you measure the height of a building using a barometer thinking there's only one answer that you could measure the pressure at the bottom you can measure the pressure at the top of the building and then you could use your mathematical calculations to work out the height of the building but actually when you think about that problem there are many many answers you could hang the barometer on a piece of string as a drop weight and you could measure the string you could literally just like try it go up the stairs and just fold it over many times uh, you know and it's like one of those <laughs> click meter things and go to the top you could actually offer the barometer as a prize in exchange to someone who knows the height to the building you could you know there's all sorts of things you could do with this so there's actually more than one more than one way of looking at it but um he describes something called functional fitness fixedness and he says once we have a resource and again this could be a, a tangible hard one or a soft one once we see it in a particular context for a particular purpose the older we get as well the more we struggle to see that item as being used for anything else and he also gives the example of uh, some children who are told that there's a teddy that wants to get something on the shelf and here are some toys laid out in front of them. You, how can you use the toys to help de teddy get to the shelf? And in this, this, this experiment, the older kids did a bit better than the younger kids, uh, realising that they had to get the teddy on the box and use the other items to get there. But he said then in the second condition, what they did was they used the box as a container put the toys in the box and then when they give this to the children again the older children did worse because the minute those toys were placed in the box the children only saw the box as a container and they had totally missed the fact they could use it as one of the items it was no longer a toy and I think the older you get the more this happens so this is why it's good to go through your resources and see them with fresh eyes I think Katie just to to, to go back and give them another look. And if you think that that's something you struggle with, then get somebody else in as well, yeah. because they probably can come at it, like you say, with a fresh perspective. And that's often what's really helpful is that, you know, you'll see one thing and you'll go, OK, well, that's either not good enough or it's not enough. And then someone will come in and go, oh, well, actually, you could try using that in that way and that in that way and that in that way. And I think that's where it really helps to have a community of freelancers that you can reach out to either through a Facebook group or WhatsApp group or meeting up or whatever it is you're doing uh, to, to get get kind of bounce ideas off each other and get some feedback and like look at things in in a slightly different ways so, so just something we were talking about immediately before we recorded this podcast was um you know one of the pages on your website and you were asking for some feedback and i i saw something in one of the photos that you'd never considered before so it's that just kind of oh okay yeah that that might make people think this thing about you and that, and I know actually because I know you I know that's not what you the intention you're putting across and so it's kind of like oh okay that's yeah you know that that you you kind of see it with the context of what you know about it and so it's hard to then bring yourself out of that and stay, step back a bit and we mentioned in our creativity episode didn't we things like you know changing your state for going for a walk literally looking at things from a different perspective speaking to different people all of these things will help you break break your routine basically and get out your own head and all of these things will help you see what you have already yeah exactly and i really liked what you said about the marie kondo stuff as well because uh, i remember i think it was in her first book she said about are you holding on to things because of who you are now or because of who you were or because of who you want to be in the future and i thought that third one was really interesting the who you want to be in the future and i think sometimes this kind of desire for more is because we have this idea of who we should be in the future um, and then we kind of buy things or start learning things because of this idea of the person that we think that we would like to become so you know I'm sure many of us have been through that crafting phase and maybe it's stuck for some of you and that's great um, but like you know for me I remember when I was moving house last year I was um, 
looking through all of my cupboards and things and I had, you know, sewing machine and knitting needles and crochet and um, all these fabrics and everything from, and I did used to sew, you know, my own clothes and fancy dress costumes a little bit and I did used to do a bit of knitting and stuff, but that was before I was freelance and it's before I got into water sports and it was a kind of different lifetime ago really. But I was holding on to it because I had this idea of like, oh yeah, you know, I'll kind of sit by the window and I'll do my knitting and everything. But actually, I hadn't touched it for about four or five years. And I didn't think that I was, I don't, you know, I wasn't planning on touching it in the next few years. I thought, yeah, you're right. I'm just holding on to this because I've got this idea of me being this kind of knitting person in the future. But it's not who I am now. And I don't see it changing anytime soon. So I don't actually need to go out and, and I don't need to keep it. But similarly, you don't necessarily need to go out and buy more for the person that you're going to be in the future. You know, buying the stuff isn't what makes you into that person. Taking the actions is what makes you into that person. And so I think sometimes, you, you know, maybe just even taking a pause before you go and pay money for something or before you go and try and kind of learn or do or acquire or go after more is just kind of say, OK, I'm going to wait for a certain amount of time. And if I'm sort of taking the baby steps towards that and I'm actually making it into a habit and I'm actually doing some of the actions that I need to do that are kind of congruent with where I want to be then yeah maybe I can allow myself to buy this thing because it will actually add value to my life but if you're just doing it because you think that if you have that it will make you take the action it probably won't yeah okay yeah absolutely it is that emotional thing and you mentioned before you know or when I've done the qualification or when I've learned this course then I'll be in a position to do it I think there's a good question there of you know well what would stop me doing it now with what I have um sometimes we do try and make that pay off for the future or we comfort ourselves with these thoughts which is human nature and hey it doesn't nothing wrong with a bit of retail therapy whether that's for knowledge or products but i think um just checking in with that emotion like you say putting pause on until you're in a cool cooler state cooler emotional state can definitely help yeah exactly it might just be waiting i think on the minimalist podcast they say they've got various rules and you know it's kind of for a certain for, for purchase over like a hundred dollars they have to wait for 30 days before they buy it if it's under $30 they have to wait 24 hours or something like that so you could set up little rules for yourself to make sure it's not just an impulse buy that you've done because you've the latest Instagram advert you've seen or whatever um so I think that could help yeah and it will save you spending a lot of money like I do a lot of, of walking as you know and I do a lot of networking walks and it's really interesting you get some of the, I'm going to call them city slickers who buy all the gear and spend all the money on the branded stuff and then I was buying myself some technical hiking gear the other day and the man was saying yeah he said when you when you um, go into the cities you'll find people who buy the stuff that's branded but it's not very effective and then I was buying stuff off him that was quite a bit of money but it absolutely works and I think, you know, if you get, get into that comparison, there's always this temptation to buy things so that other, you look good in front of other people and you can say that I've got it and it looks kind of shiny and cool and it impresses others, but it doesn't necessarily always give you value for money. And I think that's another thing we can do, Katie. I think we can make comparisons. We can make better comparisons. And I think if, you, if there's someone who is really good at um, being really resourceful, then it might be good to compare yourself to them. Or if you've got someone that's playing at a similar level as you, whether that's really big or really small, perhaps if we choose more carefully who we compare to, um, then this might give us a more realistic idea of what we might want to do in order to get there. And I think there's great value in that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing is that going back to what we were saying a little bit before about you were saying about kind of your the idea of actually pitching to an existing client rather than rather than going for trying to find new clients I think that idea of 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 kind of scoping out what you've already got can apply to so many of the things that we talked about before so like the kind of you know before you spend money on something is there a way you can get it secondhand or for free or do you know what I mean if you need a bit of kit to do your business do you need to buy it straight up from a shop or can you get it secondhand for cheaper so it might not be about not buying it it might just be about spending less money on it if you're wanting more to find more followers or to get more clients then actually have you done as much engagement with your existing followers and clients as you could do or is there more you can do with content and posts? Like Michelle, you were saying about how you, you've been recording your book blogs. Yeah, is that right? yeah. so basically I've been, uh, uh, I've gone differently now because I speak things better than I write, believe it or not. So um, I've been recording videos of me 
explaining the book review and then I've been using transcription software to get a transcript of that so I can edit it really quickly for my blog. I've got the words on the page and I'm not sparing it looking at a blank page and I can extract the audio from the video to make a podcast. So I've got three bits of content in one but not only that even if I don't end up making a podcast for the book blog there are audio clips or there might be small sections I could take little snippets that will either make a great video and maybe a gif or perhaps a little little I don't know what you call them Katie they used to be called on Twitter they used to be called audio boons or something like that anyway you know what I mean Snip, sound snippets I'm going to call them yeah sound bites, sound bites. Or yeah, yeah or quotes and this kind of thing so quite often it's not about doing more you've probably got a back catalogue of, of things that you've already invented could you repurpose them in some way and it's the old entrepreneur thing isn't there Katie there's a book called rapid entrepreneur that my friends got me when I first went self-employed and it's uh, I think it might be a self-published effort but it's really good and in it he talks about all the options you have for product creation and he said you could either break things down and make them smaller so a bit like taking a snippet from the video or a podcast he said you could actually make things bigger and expand them or bundle them he also suggests that you could repackage you can repurpose and also you can collaborate with other people as well um so whatever you've got already there you can make it bigger smaller reshape it repurpose it combine it with other other people uh, other people's efforts and these are all opportunities you have to already use and of course as you say katie there's something you need can you collaborate with somebody could you go joint venture share the cost with somebody could you borrow i mean i've written here steal i mean i don't literally steal but could you you know <laughs> you know what i mean other people there's lots of freelancers out there and they're normally really generous and really helpful with both ideas and equipment too yeah, people want to help. And I think, you know, like you say, collaboration or just even using people as a sounding board to think, okay, do you think I should do more of this? Just use that network of people who are there to help you and, you know, maybe actors. What's that word? The where, like, it's a, a thing that stops you from going ahead a little bit more. A wife. <laughs> so one thing I do to try and stop myself from kind of going full full tilt in pursuit of more is if I'm going to be spending more money on say like a subscription for something like software or anything before I allow myself to subscribe to that I make myself go through my outgoings and identify if there's something I can cut to replace it so that if I'm going for adding something new there's something that I can get rid of so recently I subscribed to some browser testing software I think it was and so before I paid for that, I went back through and looked at what I was spending every month. And I noticed I was spending, I was paying for an Audible subscription, but then I looked and I actually had quite a few credits stored up. And so I went and paused my membership for three months so that then the money for that would at least contribute towards the cost of this browser testing software for a few months. And then I can obviously go and revisit that if I find that I am getting value out of listening to the audiobooks. I've I've got a lot behind because I used to listen when I was commuting and traveling on the train or driving to meetings or, or what have you, obviously not happening at the moment. So if I, if I do want to go back to that at some point, I'll probably go back and have a look and see if I'm still using all of the other things that I pay for as a subscription. So some things I might get to the point where I'm like, no, I actually, I do genuinely need this and I have used it recently, but it's worth having a look because sometimes we subscribe to things and you kind of think, oh yeah, I need that. But actually, could you just kind of pause your membership or stop it? And, you know, something like Canva, for example, I sometimes pay for it and sometimes I don't. So I'll go in, if I need to use any of the premium features, then I'll make sure that I've downloaded everything I need before I cancel my membership. And then I'll go back in and start paying for my subscription again. Yeah, I like, I like um, that idea, Katie. I like the opportunity costs. And I think when you put it in, in those terms, um, you know, if I, if, I, if I gain this, what will I lose and what will I have to give up? And again, whether that's money or even time, actually, for me, a big one is time. Uh, that webinar yeah. sounds great. That meeting sounds interesting. But of course, what will I, you know, what am I giving up in order to do it? What else would I do with that time instead? As you say, it can make you calm down and just uh, cool off a little bit. And that's actually quite a useful technique to use with clients if they're the ones that want more, 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 is to say, yeah, I can do that. What would you like me to stop doing in order to fit that in? Yeah. And I think another thing you could do, Katie, is just to challenge yourself, um, just to say to say no. So if you're offered more work or another client or more contacts or invited to a new network meeting or to another webinar or whatever, um, 
maybe consider saying no and challenge yourself to work within your your constraints. Uh, I know a few freelancers that apply the lean methodology. So they take the approach, you know, would my customer pay for pay for this if i had to add the cost of this to my services would 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 they pay for it the answer is no they don't do it so they do everything on a lean basis i don't think that's necessarily uh, how i would run my my business but i think that approach of running a lean uh, or a kind of frugal approach to your business can be really useful and of course um, it, it can bring back that creativity to make more of what you have already that's actually really true because if you're in a position where you're not spending more money than you need to then if something does happen like say oh a global pandemic for example then you're going to be in a much better position than if you've been if you've got to the point where you're used to spending a lot of money and then you have to cut down quite significantly, um, it's hard to, to do once you've kind of got used to that way. Whereas if you're used to operating quite frugally, you can probably kind of manage because your outgoings aren't going to be crazy high. You can probably manage to get through it more easily. So um, I guess on the other hand, there's an argument that you can make quite large savings if you go from having kind of a high expenditure to a low one. Um, one thing I found was when my partner left his very sensible, nicely paid job a couple of years ago to start his own business with me, um, we we looked through our outgoings and we were able to get rid of quite a lot quite easily um, because we'd just been spending it because we had the money. And now I look back and think, I can't believe we did that, you know, and, and I just think how much could we have saved if we'd have just been a bit more sensible with our money rather than just spending it because it was there. And so now we're, we're much more sensible about things, which is, I think is, is definitely a good thing. But it, yeah, it did allow us to kind of cut down quite quickly, but I always wish that we'd have done it sooner. Yeah, I think that, that frugal mindset is, is really important. And um, I, some people, some freelancers don't really like looking at the numbers and I avoided it for years. So I totally get that, that mindset. But um, I think sometimes it can be quite a sobering thought to look through the numbers, but it can also feel quite good. Like you say, Katie, when you look back and realise how much you could save, then that's a really, really great feeling. And then if you can save that money or save that time or save whatever it is that you've kind of managed to get back by not going for more, you can then use it to be really deliberate with your decisions. Because we're not saying don't ever increase your knowledge, don't ever buy new kits, don't ever try and, you know, get more followers or do more stuff. It's a case of doing it a bit more intentionally, I think. And if you've stopped yourself and saved that time, you can then work on doing something you actually really want to do for you and for your business rather than what society thinks you should yeah, do. Yeah, and when I worked for a learning design team, we used to design a lot of material, but we'd design it from scratch every time. And so we had it drummed into us, this mindset, go through the catalogue, see what you have first, and then you know adapt what we have, reuse what we have, but don't reinvent the wheel, uh, which is a concept I know you're very uh, uh, familiar with. <laughs> so, um, and I like that idea. And I think the big thing for me, Katie, is you know we talk about comparisons. I think the crux of this really is just ask yourself, what is it you want to achieve? As we've said, know your why, and then ask yourself, what do I need in order to get there? But I think sometimes, again, in that emotional state, we're presented with something like an opportunity or a client or some work and in that state we think oh yeah that would be handy and we look at the resource and then kind of shoehorn it into our plans but when we go back to that focus of what do I need uh, what do I want to get to and actually how how do I get there I find we quite often need we need less than we think so Katie you've mentioned you moved house and you and when you, you your partner left his job you uh, examined your finances to look at, you know, to get the life that you want. And I've done similar exercises going, well, what was, what is the life that I want? And actually what I found was I can freelance because I didn't need that corporate job with a corporate salary and the whole package to be happy. What I needed to be happy required much less in terms of money, resources, space, time. And actually I feel much happier for it. So I think that to work it that way around can be can be really useful. And Katie, I, I recall from a while ago, you, I mean, a good, we talk about being more inventive. I remember you telling this story, I think you've told it on the podcast once before, of when you first went to an ex exhibition as a web designer. And I seem to remember you doing something <laughs> cardboard boxes, as I recall. It was cardboard stand furniture. So I basically decided that I wanted to speak at this um this uh, it was a business startup show so it was a really big conference it was at excel in london um and i decided i wanted to speak at it to raise my profile and at that point i had like zero profile so it was kind of it, it was more 
that I think was actually needed rather than me getting to a certain point and going, oh, I need, I need to be more prestigious. It was like, no, I need to find work somewhere. Um, and so I paid for, you had to pay for a stand in order to have a speaking slot. And I was like, okay, well, that'd be cool. It'd be good to have a stand anyway. So I'd paid for the stand and I've kind of forgotten to add in the cost of the furniture, which is kind of crazy because I used to work in the event industry and definitely should have known better. And so I started to have a look around at the different furniture options and they were quite expensive and a lot of them are very like plasticky throwaway stuff as well, which for someone with environmental interests wasn't really for me. And so I found this guy that made this um, cardboard flat pack stand furniture. And so I ordered from him uh, two flat pack chairs, a table, and then two kind of back banner stand thingies. Um, and normally they'll brand them for you. But to save money, I asked him to just send me the unbranded cardboard. And then I made myself a stencil and bought a tin of spray paint from um, Fred Aldous in Manchester, which is a craft store in Manchester. And like literally did the template by like putting my logo on the computer and drawing around it on my computer screen with a, with a pencil and a piece of paper and spray painted uh, my logo and the words websites, woo, yeah, onto the side of this cardboard furniture and then proceeded to take it down to London on the train which is like this sort of like six foot tall by about three foot wide cardboard like bag of cardboard that was carting around with me and I nearly got kicked off the train because Virgin Trains said that it was taking up the equivalent of a person in the seats and so and it wouldn't fit in any of the luggage places luggage storage things but luckily it was quite quiet so it was all right but yeah and that worked really well for me because it was a bit different and it kind of piqued people's interest and I think like you say like if I'd have had a bit more money I'd have just gone for a standard standard kind of exhibition furniture wouldn't have necessarily brought people to the stand because it, it wouldn't have stood out and I think it was the fact that it stood out that actually brought people to it so yeah, yeah that was my cardboard it's good and it's like you say it's congruent with your brand with sustainability and like you say it probably got more turned more heads in a positive way than had you actually just bought the same roll lock banners that everyone else was using so yeah i love that story so that does make me does make me smile and i think that's a really great example of what we're we're talking about today i think without those constraints katie you probably would have blended in with everybody else and that's not you at all so on this podcast we always do um a thing where we look at what our one key takeaway would be so if we could just choose one bit of advice to give to people around this topic what would it be so michelle what would be your top tip i think my top tip katie is to know what results you want and then have a look for your current resources to see what you can do to make them stretch that far in the spirit of stretching um that would be my one what about you mine would be not to fall into the comparison trap and not to feel that you need to do more just because everybody else is so take the time to question whether that's something that would actually be right for you or whether it's just that you're being kind of sold to or being led to feel like it's for you because other people are doing yeah, it. Yeah, I like that, Katie. Is that, that, that attacking that emotional uh, sort of response we all get is a really good, really good tip. And I'll just do a quick plug. I don't normally do this, but if you do, you're interested to know more about uh, Scott Schoenstein's book, um, that is on my website, which is diedeeperdevelopment.com and you can... Uh, find out a little bit more about some of the principles we've discussed today and michelle's book blogs are awesome so you should go and read them all anyway because they're a really helpful kind of synopsis and insight and you kind of say which ones are really good and which ones aren't so good and what's good about them and so it's very helpful if you're either thinking of reading the book or if you haven't got time or can't be bothered reading a book let michelle do it for you yeah and of course as well if you want to get in touch with us we're on twitter at 99 problems cast that's the number 99 problems and then cast as in podcast let us know what you thought of the episode let us know any more problems you'd like us to tackle in the future as well and of course if you want to make sure you catch all of our upcoming episodes then subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll see you next time for another episode of 99 problems but a boss ain't one